0: On today's episode of Still Processing a 76ers Podcast, we take a look into the mind of the Portland Trailblazers organization, media, fandom, with a special visit from our guest, Brandon Goldner. Enjoy! Welcome back to Still Processing, a 76ers podcast. I'm your host, Ash Shabalala, here with a very special guest. That is one, Brandon Goldner, trailblazers extraordinaire, uh, professional. Brandon, why don't you talk a little bit about yourself and uh, let the people know why you are an expert on the Portland Trailblazers.
1: What do you got? What up, Zach? Uh, First of all, thanks for having me. Um, I'm not an expert on the Portland Trailblazers. I've just been following them since (laughs) I was a kid. Yeah. I mean, you know, I host, we like the blazers with my buddy, Ryan. Um, and before that, like I've been the social media editor at blazers edge, which is, you know, the SB nation affiliate for the blazers site, um, spent some time at rip city project and have kind of dabbled with podcasts here and there. Um, yeah. And I'm on Twitter a lot at golden follow me. So like, honestly, man, like I got the Twitter fingers. If anyone knows me, they know like, uh, I've been called the reply guy before I get it. Like sometimes I'll kind of mix it up just to mix it up, especially with all the, all the kind of the Miami talk has been especially fun time to poke fun at people about basketball, but yeah, man, it's fun. I've been following the team for a super long time. And uh, honestly, kind of, kind of dark days with a bright future ahead is probably how I'd frame it at this point.
0: Yeah. So obviously the big news around the NBA is still the fallout from uh, the Damian Lillard trade. So, you know, the Portland Trail Blazers are at the, the forefront of everyone's tongues, which uh, hasn't always been the case. And and I've been a... We're
1: finally relevant. <laughs> They're talking about us.
0: I've been kind of a, a, a pseudo Blazers follower, I'll call it, uh, since I, I first got into the league, you know, started playing 2K, Blazers drafted me, grew, and I ended up being a big Brandon Roy, LaMarcus Aldridge, you know, even Nick Batum kind of guy. Yeah. So, uh, nice. you know, that kind of led to our, not at the same time, but, paths crossing through uh rip city project uh obviously of course andy quach also of still processing spent some time as well with rip city project so uh, a lot of that that intermingling time but portland the trailblazers as a whole are a a team a city a franchise that deserve more attention overall i would say so I'm, i'm happy too that they're getting this you know Ah, uh, this moment in the sunshine. It's it kind of sucks that it comes at trading. The I was way gonna the say, in franchise, kind of history. for the wrong
1: reason. But <laughs>
0: <laughs> you yeah,
1: know, I mean, like I, I think like you hear it a lot. I think it's really true. Portland has very dedicated and loyal fans, and it's because mm. we don't have a lot of professional sports stuff going on around here, right? Like we have the Timbers and the Thorns. We have the Portland Pickles, semi-professional baseball. Um, now which is another City.
0: great Twitter follow. May I just say, totally. <laughs>
1: 100% if you're not following the pickles do it now. But yeah, I mean we do have dedicated loyal fans. Look, like we're a pretty small city as far as NBA markets go. We have one championship that happened before many of us were born, certainly me. We uh, be... fans
0: will remember that one.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> they will. Yes, they them. will. Yeah. <laughs> I, I look and that was that was a huge win, right? And it also yeah. happened a really really long time ago and since then what? We've been snake bitten by injuries to our best players. Mm -hmm. It's seemingly happened again and again and again and again. And so, I don't know. It's interesting though, this era of Portland basketball, where you finally have a franchise player, one of the best players in the league, you know, top 10 ish. Like you can argue about it who actually wanted to be in Portland. And like, actually, can we cuss on this podcast by the way? Yeah. Go for it. Who actually gave a shit about the city of Portland, which is quite rare. And now that person is gone, so that's you know if you're if you're wondering why Blazers fans are in their feelings, which we certainly are, that is the reason why.
0: Yeah, I, I and and Sixers fans, I think, can relate to a degree with the idea of moving on from such a transformative player. Uh, obviously, you know, depending on on how many eras of Sixers sports, you know, you've you've been through, you've seen them move on from Charles Barkley, you've seen them move on from Allen Iverson. Uh, there's even nowadays the, the Joel and bead rumors, which refuse to go away. So, uh, it's something that I think that Sixers fans can to a degree associate with. Uh, although uh, personality wise, I think there's a stark difference between the two cities, which also makes it a little bit of fun, but, uh, it it really is a, a kind of a, uh, tough spot to, to be in. If you're a Blazers fan where I think that from what I know of Blazers fans in my time covering the team. I think Blazers fans are self-aware to know that this is the right path overall, but it's still hard to move on from someone as talented as Damian Lillard.
1: Yeah, it's it's hard. And you know, my opinion was that I would prefer to mortgage the future a little bit to keep Dame here. And the reason why is that like you're not guaranteed championships either way, even if the like it, it, it because like The smart move is to have moved on from him before, right? Mm -hmm. Like to get as much as you could have, his value is depressed because of his contract and his age. But like, again, like you have to remember this city doesn't have a lot that it can hang its hat on with respect to professional sports. And you have this transformative figure who really cares about the city, who really cares about the team, who brought them a level of success they haven't seen in 14 years which, okay, that's fine. Just making the conference finals. I know that for most cities, that's not that much. And, you know, frankly, it shouldn't be in the, in the grand scheme of things, but you know, it's not just about him being a really good player. It's about what he means to the city. And so I think that's the point that people probably, maybe they understand a little bit more, just seeing the outpouring of support. Like, have we seen a superstar leave their team after this long? And for people to be like 99%, like we love him, we're going to buy bucks jerseys now. Like, like, You know what I mean? Like, and maybe I just haven't been tracking, but like, it, it, you, you're going to find very few people who are like upset with Dame.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I don't remember Sacramento being, and and not even saying Cousins was on Lillard's level, but uh, I don't remember Sacramento exactly being that way. And they're a fantastic fan base. I don't remember New Orleans being that way when Anthony Davis left, you know, just to to mention a couple recent guys. I, I I don't even, the Thunder fans, I don't think were like that with Kevin Durant, although it's kind of tough to, count back so many Kevin Durant switching teams ago, but uh you I know, mean, with, look with, at what
1: Cleveland fans did when LeBron James left the first time they were burning his oh, jerseys in the streets. And it's yeah, just like, yeah. so yeah, I I think what Damian Lillard, the person means to mm-hmm. Portland is greater than what he means as a basketball player. And so there's always this disconnect between how Portland thinks about Damian Lillard and the rest of the league, which I think is fair.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. And then obviously the, the big storyline, uh, outside of the trade request, demand, whatever you want to call it itself, was how the situation was being handled. There was the, <laughs> the and, and again, Sixers fans can understand this a little bit, uh, the, the <laughs> list, the very generous list of one team that Lillard <laughs> was willing to go to. Uh, and then there was the yeah. uh, organization's response uh, of how they would negotiate with said team. Uh, and then finally we ended up where, where we got, so. Uh, right. What of that whole process, and, and we could go on for that for hours, I feel like, but if we had to kind of look at some, some takeaways, uh, what was it that really stood out about the way that both Lillard and the organization handled the entire process start to finish?
1: I mean, the thing that comes to my mind first is Aaron Goodwin and how Dame's agent handled the situation. I think he handled it poorly. Um, I, I, I don't know if you'd find too many people who would disagree with that because if Damian Lillard really wanted to go to Miami and only Miami, the best thing they could have done is to pretend Mm -hmm. like they would go anywhere, create a bit of a market and then put Joe Cronin in a situation where he could with a straight face, take an acceptable offer from Miami. So I think honestly, like in this part of the process, if you ignore that the franchise didn't effectively build around Damian Lillard, which they didn't. Um, but just looking at this process, it was Aaron Goodwin and Damian Lillard miscalculated. They took a gamble and lost thinking that Cronin would take Miami's first offer and he didn't do it. And so that to me is kind of where my focus goes first and foremost.
0: Yeah. And I, I would say it, the plan might've had a better chance to succeed if the destination uh, was not, uh, if Pat Riley wasn't at the helm of the destination, I feel like that's not exactly a place where you're going to get and you can say the same thing about philadelphia but uh you know whether you're talking about jerry Morey, pat Riley, you're talking about guys who they're they're not exactly going to give you uh a, an enticing first offer so uh if they had presented it in such a way you don't even have to give you know a, a 10 team list but even if they began the process in such a way how they kind of ended it where eventually aaron goodwin reportedly went and said, you know, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Dame, how do we feel about these other two landing spots? And, and he got the clearance for both of those. Even if you had that three-team list, I think that you're potentially talking about a situation where Lillard could find himself in Miami at this point. However, that did not work out. He is not in Miami. No, He's not. now in Milwaukee. And I got to say, aside from the fact that I, I as someone who covers the Sixers, it's good for the Sixers that – uh, the team that went to the finals did not get Damian Lillard, even though another Eastern Conference contender did. But the Heat fans not getting Damian Lillard, I, I got to be honest, I take a little joy in that, considering how they've been during this <laughs> entire process. You know, you, you being on the Portland side of things, how, how does that, that feel? Is that like a little extra? Is that almost like another first round draft pick getting to see how they're dealing with the situation now?
1: Yeah. It's more than a little extra and look like I get it. Maybe I'm just emotionally immature, but yeah, I've been delighting in the Miami heat fans and reporters reaction. They honestly,
0: Oh yes.
1: It it came across very entitled, not just fans, but reporters with reputations who I think respect journalistic ethics, who are very clearly carrying water for the Miami heat organization, which is fine. Okay. That's fine. And people expected that Damian Lillard would be there. And I think they also expected that Damian Lillard would be there with Miami not having to give up a whole heck of a lot, which again, Mm -hmm. like the, the original miscalculation, I think was that Dame and his agent were like, look, we don't want Miami to totally have a bare cupboard. I want to move into a team that has, Yes, Jimmy and Bam, but also has, you know, some stuff around us. So it's not just if one of us gets hurt that we're completely fucked in the regular season. Right. So it was the it was the entitlement. It was the you know, it's going to happen. It's like, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then to see it go a different way. Yeah, man, like it was it felt great. And also that my that Milwaukee's another small market team. Right. You can get behind that. Giannis is one of the most likable super- superstars, so you like that. And also it's a great mm-hmm. fucking fit and we want to see Dame succeed. So yeah, yeah, it honestly worked out pretty well.
0: Yeah, and you know, I let's let's focus specifically on NBA Twitter, right? Because there's a lot of a lot of highs, a lot of lows, a lot of fun stuff being discussed, you know, a lot of a lot of unity on NBA Twitter sometimes. And then there's a lot of uh, a just just ridiculous conversation that goes on a lot of times too. Uh, and I'll tell you, it was an absolute war maybe not even a war zone is the right term because it was, it was basically uh, a lot of people from Miami. And, and again, it was both media and fans uh, effectively saying, well, what do you mean that? And, and I'm exaggerating here. Tyler Harrow in a first round picks, not enough for Damian Lillard. Like the, the yeah. people defending the, the reported offers as if, you know, Miami were uh, offering a, a small fortune for, for Damian Lillard when that simply wasn't the case. So, uh, again, I, I, I do, going back to what you said, think that there is that kind of sense of entitlement where it's, uh, you know, well, our offer is fantastic because it's our offer. So you should absolutely yeah. take it so to see that kind of fall through uh, and, and not realize itself. Absolutely uh, fine by me and, and honestly great to see.
1: And to be fair to Miami fans, I think some of what they're struggling with is they didn't quite understand the value of Tyler hero, which is something Blazers fans went through with the value of Anthony Simons, because I was one of those people I thought before the draft, well, geez, Anthony Simons, he's young. He's on a non max. Mm -hmm. He's an up and coming player. He's one of the best three point shooters in the league. He showed like more wiggle last year in creation, more passing ability. Clearly Anthony Simons is going to have this huge market and the Blazers be able to trade him for something. It's like, no, actually the market for someone like Anthony Simons on that contract is like a first. And I was like, really shit. That's not what I thought. And I think that Miami heat fans are coming to grips with that fact. Now, what we're talking about with drew holidays value is different than what we were talking about. with Tyler heroes value. That is a huge part of why the Miami and the bucks offer were different. And then the other piece is the potential value of those picks far in the future. If you're going to bet on a franchise totally bottoming out, no offense to Milwaukee, I'll bet on the Bucks because, yes, Miami Heat has a history of getting people there. People want to be in Florida. The tax situation, it's sunny, all that stuff, right? Like, culturally, it, it makes a lot more and sense it's than Miami. to be in Milwaukee. I mean, it's, 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 it's not Miami. like it's
0: – no offense to Orlando, you know, the big mouse down there, but it's it's not Orlando. <sighs> it's Miami, you know?
1: Right. It's a place that people want to be. So for those two reasons, you know, kind of shorting the future of the Bucks and also drew holiday's value. Those were two very different packages, right? Yeah. And it clearly Joe Cronin made the, the prudent choice. So yeah, I, but again, to be fair to Miami fans, I, I think they overvalue hero because he is a really good player, but on yeah. his contract and at his position, the fact that he doesn't play defense, it's not worth as much as maybe they thought he was.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's almost a, uh repetitive even slightly well, redundant skill set uh, not overly uncommon around the league you know we look at guys like Jordan Poole we look at guys you know I mean, you mentioned Anthony Simons uh, and then Sixers fans obviously with Tyrese Maxey you know these these are guys who obviously they are all different players however uh, they do overlap with some of these same skills you know there a lot of them are, are one-way shooters basically and so uh, and they're I would say not any one of them is, is individually great as a creator. Now, certainly players have gotten better. We saw, like you said, Simons take that leap a little bit last year. Sixers fans are hoping for Maxi to be able to do something similar this year. Uh, but it's something that is not as valued as, say, a proven two-way playoff performer who can head up your offense, play both on and off ball, guard the other team's best player, uh, there's just so much value that drew holiday brings to the table. So flipping over to that conversation, obviously the, the next thing that appears to be on the mind of the Portland Trail chairblazers is, you know, how do we flip holiday? What are we flipping him for? Uh, if they're doing it relatively soon, obviously they cannot add any additional players to that deal. You can't aggregate anyone with, uh, with holiday until that uh, timeline, I believe roughly 60 days has passed. Uh, so what are they looking for from a value standpoint of what they want to get from holiday? Cause we've heard the reports. It's not going to be any shortage of of suitors for holiday. Most contenders, if not most teams are going to be interested in a guy like drew. So what is the supposed uh, find that they're looking for in a Drew holiday trade? Well, I
1: know, mean, I'm basing my opinion, probably same as you off the reporting we've heard so far, which is, two first round picks is sort of the floor and you won't be surprised to see that happen at a minimum. Maybe it's two first round picks and like an okay young player. Maybe it's two first round picks and a swap or two, or maybe it's even three first round picks. But I mean, part of this, like you said, is kind of salary aggregation and how that's going to work. Cause I think holidays owed what 30 and change. And then he has a player option next year. Um, And you know, you got to consider his age, but yeah, to your point, what is he the best perimeter defender in the league? He's not somebody who is going to disrupt your offense. He can plug in. He's a championship level player. We've seen him do it, even though he's had some you know hiccups in the playoffs, and that's fair. Sure, um, yeah. And so like his value, it's it's what he brings, it's his contract, and it's also what other teams in the NBA need. If you're if you're looking to contend, so the marketplace for him is much more competitive than it was for a Tyler Hero. So for all those reasons. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of like two picks and a player seems to be, a, based on what I've heard from national reporting, yeah. kind of where the value is, and that that wouldn't surprise me. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that Portland is Which set is up in a really good position. Which is to say, right? Because it's like,
1: yeah. isn't that like kind of, sort of similar to what we were talking about, Damian Lillard? Like there have been kind of some jokes about like, yeah. Well, I guess they can go back to Pat Riley and just get that Damian Lillard package, for, for Drew Holiday, and it's like that's a little, you know, it's, yeah. a, that's a bit of a stretch. But like, it's 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 funny because it's like almost kind of true. And again, like the, how good you are as a player doesn't is not that's not the only thing that dictates your value. Sure. And um, th- one more thing, and then I'll I'll shut up. But like the new salary cap rules, right? It's it's much yeah. more punitive now to have an expensive roster. Uh, cost-controlled contracts are even more valuable than they used to be right draft picks because those represent cost-controlled contracts Mm -hmm. are more valuable than they used to be so the marketplace for players has changed too um so that's another reason why even though drew holiday does make 30 and change that's a lot different from owing damian lillard years and years in the future where he's making 50 something
0: exactly exactly and and that is also part of the appeal for a team like Philadelphia, where not only are you in need of uh, a player of Holiday's talents, not only are you in need of a veteran such as Drew Holiday, uh, but they obviously the the plan the entire offseason has been keeping salary flexible for next season. Now, you mentioned Holiday does have the player option. I'll be honest with you, I have no idea what Drew Holiday is going to do next season. We've heard him talking about retiring possibly even after this season. So, uh, you know, he's a guy who, uh, as much as he loves the game of basketball, he's a great professional, great teammate. Uh, he's all, he also has like a great family, uh, the holiday family, uh, yeah. people can find them all over, but like, they are I, like, when I talk about like examples of just like high class NBA families, the holiday family is ridiculous on that scale. So, uh, yeah. I couldn't blame him for a second. If he's like, all right, I won a championship. I've made a lot of money. I have a fantastic family to go home to, and I just want to hang it up next year. So that's something that gives the Sixers that kind of optionality, where you know if he does either want to do that, or if he does want to test the market, they're not exactly locked into his contract next year. Or if they do end up wanting to re-sign him to a deal, if they were to trade for Holiday, again, they do have that optionality where they can sign him to whatever three years, ninety million, or or possibly even more, depending on what the market's going to demand for a player like that. So that, and you can even speak to the entire league at that point, because that is value for for every team. But as I mentioned, the Sixers are looking for that optionality. So, uh, when it well, comes to. I'm curious, to, like. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Good. Well,
1: what I I'm just, I mean, are you, as someone who covers the Sixers, interested in a holiday reunion?
0: I'm absolutely interested in a holiday reunion. Uh, so, I am a little wary of the price. Uh, because the Sixers are not exactly flush with assets, but I absolutely am interested in a holiday reunion. The only, not the only, the primary issue with pursuing Drew Holiday, if you do find yourself as the Sixers in a bidding war, is again, the team is not flush with assets. Drew Holiday alone would significantly help the Sixers, but is not enough to take them from a second round exit to an NBA championship, which is what the team is striving for with Joel Embiid. And that's the the question that I can't answer right off the cuff because there, there has to be more. There has to be a significant step forward by Tyrese Maxey. Tobias Harris has to look like a much different player under Nick Nurse this season than he did under Doc Rivers last season. And I think the team overall... Is going to look significantly changed. You know, we we we've heard Sixers players talking all summer about the difference between playing under Doc Rivers and playing under Nick Nurse, although they haven't touched the regular oh, season yeah. yet. Uh, so you look at guys like Tobias Harris and you say, theoretically, he could make a jump, not necessarily expecting an All Star season, but perhaps back to what he was say in L.A. Oddly enough, under Doc Rivers. Uh, but you're looking at these players that are going to be in a completely different scenario. And there's just so much uncertainty around the Sixers right now. While you want to jump at the opportunity to add a player as talented as Holiday, if you're going to mortgage the rest of your future, because again, we're talking about two first round picks. The Sixers have one that they can trade. Now there's swaps that they can make, and that's something that might entice Portland, especially on the back end. But otherwise you're talking about either moving Tobias Harris in likely a three team deal to, Try and get something, but you're selling low on him. Or figure out a James Harden trade, which has been even more complicated than that. a Damian Lillard trade. So there's there's not yeah. a clear path to it. It's not easy. And even if you do, if Daryl Morey were to actually land this deal, there's no guarantee that it's going to significantly improve their finish spot uh, in the upcoming season. While the team itself will be better than they currently are today, you may be looking at making the Eastern Conference Finals, and maybe that's enough if your plan is keeping Joel or whatever it may be. But is it enough to, to win it all? Probably not. So that, that's the complication there. So I'm absolutely interested. I'm not 100% sold uh, just because of this this upcoming bidding award, with teams including the Clippers, who may be pivoting from Harden to Holiday, or using that as a, a negotiation tactic to get Harden at a cheaper price. Right. We'll see a lot of stuff is still on the table, but there's one other player in Portland that I did want to talk about that this trade absolutely affects. And that's Jeremy Grant. I mean, where does he go from here? That's a great question. Um, Yeah. I, I'm not convinced
1: that they're going to move off of Jeremy Grant right away. I mean, part of it is that your team needs to have some salary on it. And if, when you move drew holiday, you're probably going to take back less salary than you sent out. Obviously there's restrictions on, on how far apart that can be in those trades. Um, Which if that's true, um, you know, I, the the Blazers need salary on their team and you also do need some vets to help develop scoot Henderson and Shaden sharp. You don't, I mean, we've seen what happens in Houston when it's a total disorganized mess and there's, no kind of steady hands in the locker room and just, and shit goes sideways. And then we saw what they did this off season, which is to pay quite a bit for vets to try to stabilize. Right. So I think the Blazers understand that part of Scoot Henderson's development is contingent on at least a, a partially functional team doesn't have to be great or even good. So I, I'm actually not convinced that they're going to move Jeremy Grant right away. Um, you know, but it's, it's, it's interesting. I asked uh, on Twitter and haven't gotten a response from Danny LaRue of the dunked on podcast. He has this term called the Nene test. Is this something that you've heard before? So basically the the theory is if you sign a player, can you immediately flip them? Are they, are you able to to get value back for them on the contract you sign? And I think Jeremy Grant slightly overpaid, um, you know, at his age, he's firmly in his prime does play a position of need is more than an adequate defender. He maybe even sometimes a good defender, more than adequate on offense, maybe even a good offensive player. And like, he hasn't really proved that he can play that high level role on a really good team yet. Right. Like he played in Denver, um, showed some flashes. He played in Detroit was the best player on a bad team. And then he played in Portland and, you know, again, showed some flashes of being a supporting piece. So I'm talking a lot, I guess maybe you only flip the question to you, like from your perspective, because maybe I overvalue Portland players, I mean, is there a market for Jeremy Grant at his contract, at his age, considering he's at a position of league-wide need, and I think that that sure. helps. But, I mean, do you think there's a market there for him?
0: Well, uh, listen, first of all, I don't mind you talking a lot because that means I have to talk less, and I'm hearing a lot of good <laughs> stuff. So <laughs> yeah. I'm totally fine with that. Uh, but when we talk about Jeremy Grant, my, my issue, I guess you could say, with him uh, is that when he, I guess you could say, played at his peak value uh, one might say that was, I believe in Denver where he was playing effectively the Aaron Gordon role, except that Aaron Gordon came along and played the role better for roughly half the price. So at what point does Jeremy Grant decide, because we've heard him say uh, about how he wants to, uh, have more of that kind of featured offensive role. Uh, I, At this point, I think that we would have seen it on a winning team, although he can't help where he lands for the most part. Uh, I I am not overly high on buying into that stock that Jeremy Grant can be a top I would even say three offensive option. I think he is probably your four, unless your top two guys are fantastic. If we're talking about like the Clippers, for instance, where you're looking at like a Kawhi PG, could Jeremy Grant be the third guy? I think possibly, but his role is going to uh, or his value, I should say, is going to come more as a two-way player. You know, I, I need him to stretch the floor. I need him to be a versatile defender. And I need him to uh, really fill in those gaps uh, in between, a, a lot of the same way that Aaron Gordon did on that title run for Denver last season. So uh, is that something he's willing to do? Is that something that a team is going to pay not only the price to acquire him, but then to pay that contract thereafter for That's what I'm not sure of, but I think you're going to look at a team that may not have the uh, brightest financial future. And what I mean by that is they may not have a clear path to cap space. And Jeremy Grant could very easily, because he is a very good player, Jeremy Grant could easily be the best player you could get at around that price point. So you know you're not necessarily going to be able just to go out and get. Oh, you know I'll get a, a. almost all-star caliber player for 10 million dollars. That doesn't happen left and right. So, you know, is there going right. to, like a Dallas for instance that might get a little desperate and bring in a guy like Jeremy Grant? Yeah, I think they very easily could be. They could they could oh, use I someone like him. I just don't know, yeah. Oh, for yeah. sure. They yeah. easily could. And there's a lot of teams that could use him. It's just what is he going to look like on his next team? Totally. And like
1: I also think like I'm just I'm remember re- to remember what his contract was and I can't really pull it up right now, but um, remember that if you're on a non-max contract, if you're on a fixed number contract and not a percentage of the cap, as the cap goes up, your contract doesn't rubber band with it. And so maybe as the NBA's financial future changes, his contract becomes relatively more valuable because of that. And again, if I'm wrong on that, I sound like an idiot, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. Um, yeah. And like, I just, I just don't know. Like I will say this, yeah. Jeremy Grant, clearly had some tacit agreement with Portland before that trade with Detroit happened. And I think that that signals that he could have stayed on a bad team and being the best player. I think that that signals that he wants to play a supporting role and knew his place, right? Like I'd be very curious to know, did Joe Cronin and the Blazers re-sign Jeremy Grant thinking that it would help Dame stay, Um, I'm also curious to know if Jeremy Grant signed that contract thinking that Dame would stay, that's actually a gap in the reporting that we, that we don't have. I don't think we're ever going to have, but so I, I would say that there's at least some evidence to suggest that he knows his kind of place in the NBA ecosystem and would be, um, amenable to that. But you're right. Like you'd love him to be the second best player on a good team. I don't think that that's him. I think that like third best player on a good contending team, especially with, you know, his yeah. defensive value and playing a position of need, kind of holding up the fact he's not the, the most spectacular offensive player. I don't think that's out of line at all.
0: Yeah, and again, it depends on the situation around him as well. You know, the, the right type of players can, uh, you know, effectively, I mean, again, going back to the Aaron Gordon comparison, because it's, it's, it's a relatively easy one to make. Aaron Gordon is in part uh, as useful as he is to the Denver Nuggets because of playing alongside Nikola Jokic. So uh, not that every player is going to have that opportunity to play alongside the best player in the NBA, like Aaron Gordon did last season, uh, but you could certainly find players who Grant could fit very well alongside. We mentioned the Dallas Mavericks earlier. Luka Doncic is definitely a guy who theoretically, uh, and in the past factually, has made players better around him. So there are definitely situations where and i'd say he could peak at that third uh that that third best there on a a good contending team to use your terminology there uh again i like him more so as a fourth but it also depends on how deep the rest of your starting lineup is as well where if you're looking at a team with less overall holes uh, and a more complete starting lineup then sure jeremy grant could be the third player as long as you're not it's just something that Philadelphia's not used to having that that uh, that that complete five starting lineup. So, uh, totally. you know, definitely a lot to consider on Portland's end. The future is really going to be interesting. We haven't even talked to DeAndre Ayton, uh, which we're probably going to say that for another time. And I, as someone who, I will just say, not the highest on Ayton in his entire time, but what he's done is impressive. His mentality in Portland is excited, and it is great to see. And who knows what Maybe do they this do is like a to him He was Adrian. so
1: happy. He's like, my name I... is on the locker. It's like, yeah, man, your name's on the locker. Like, it's, I mean, it's PR, I... but you know.
0: No, of course, of course, but still, like, you can tell that this man has been like freed. He feels like so. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, if he can, he if he can good. get a little more like physical flexibility, then yeah, maybe you're talking about. I think I saw somewhere that Portland believes uh, that he has top five talent, uh, and I would say. Ooh. <laughs> i know <don't>. top, <laughs> top five center talent i should say let me clarify oh, okay. Top five oh, center my. talent and i think that he's 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 uh one set of flexible hips away from having top five center <laughs> potential. so if he can figure that out then i'm then i i I'm gotta do his runners for Aiton. he's the best center they've had and and this is talking about lamarcus aldridge as a four but the best center that they've had since sabonis so this is uh i'm really at the potential start of a brand new era between scoot between eight and sharp is a guy that i very much enjoy watching play the game of basketball and anthony simons is great while he's in portland we'll see how long that is uh but it's still someone who is excitable is still young can still progress so it's it's an exciting time in portland despite having just traded away the best player in franchise history so, any anything else you, that you yeah. that you want to say in closing, just about Portland, about the uh, direction the franchise is heading as a whole?
1: No, uh, I think you summed it up well. You know, wait and see on the Drew Holiday trade, and then yeah. wait and see what Scoot Henderson looks like. Like we have my, we like the Blazers have hasn't even recorded a podcast about the new guys <laughs> and the young guys. Like, shouldn't <laughs> we be excited about that? So, uh, we'll we'll get there. Our grieving process will look how sure. it looks. And I will say really quick, I'm excited for you all. I mean, Joel Embiid getting an MVP well-deserved. I would love to see your team put something around him that allows him to really have a shot at a championship. And I think James Harden in that situation is is a rough one. I think if Harden had approached stuff differently, or maybe there's a lack of trust with him and, and Maury, I get it. But like that situation makes it trickier, but um, I'll be, you know, watching from the West coast. I'm a, I'm a Joel Embiid fan. So I just wish all the best to you guys.
0: Well, we love to hear that. And I can speak for all of Philadelphia when I say that we hope the Sixers put uh, that same team that you just mentioned around Joel Embiid as well. Uh, it's, it's definitely going to be an interesting season for both of these two franchises, but we will see how it goes. If you are interested, which I recommend that you do be interested in the Blazers this season, because again, it is a young, exciting season. Be sure to listen to We Like the Blazers to get that top-notch Blazers content. And listen, (laughs) I understand the grieving process. We've had that in Philadelphia many times, okay? And don't forget Portland Trail Blazers fans, Philadelphia 76ers fans, whether you're Brandon, myself, we are all still processing. Thank you very much. Hope you all have a great night.